0: Welcome to the All People's Church Sunday podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more messages and resources, please visit allpeoples.com or download our free All People's Church app. What a great day. If you could bring my podium out to me, please. We're concluding our prayer series today. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have, and I had a couple of experiences this week that I thought were very appropriate, very symbolic of why we've done this prayer series. I went to Texas to perform a wedding ceremony on Sunday, that's why I wasn't with you. I heard that Jason killed it in his message, Jason, our new college pastor, so very thankful for him filling in this past week. We have great preachers in this place. While I got to do this wedding, I was also able to do one of my old favorite hobbies, which was go out hunting, to go, go out bow hunting. And uh, this is something my dad and I do, and my mom and dad are on the front row today uh, to celebrate John Mark's baptism, as well as my daughter's 13th birthday. Wow! I have a teenager. Help me, Lord. So She's a great teenager by the way. Uh, My dad and I have been hunting since I was a baby and uh, so we get decked out in our camo, get all our gear. We drive on to this beautiful ranch. Uh, Right when we drive in we see this uh, beautiful buck. I'm thinking it's going to be a good night. We get out to the field and we get in our clump of trees. We are all ready. The sun is starting to set. Perfect serene night. We open the case to pull out our bow, and when we open it, we look at each other and go, no arrows. (laughs) I don't know if you know much about hunting, but bows don't work well without arrows. (laughs) You know, uh, we just sat there kind of for the rest of the night just looking at each other, going, well, uh, this is pointless. You know, here's my point to that story. I think that's how many of us are in our Christian life is that God has provided this incredible opportunity to live the abundant life, but we as Christians often don't pick up the tools that we need in order to apprehend all he has for us. God's provided tools all over his word for us to actually live out the life most abundantly, but so often we as believers fail to pick up the tools that he has promised to give us. I had a second experience. Maybe this will relate to a few more people. I got to go to the opening game of the Golden State Warriors this week. Wow. Any Golden State Warrior fans? That's sweet. There's four of us. Um, so we uh, It's Jason. It was Jason's birthday. Jason, our college pastor. And, and so Jason invited me to come with he and his family. If you know his family, they're like insane fans. And so we are sitting on the 13th row for opening season. if you don't know, you know if you haven't been on planet Earth, Golden State has been in the, the championships the last two years. they're a really good team. Uh, and So this is opening day, and it's a big deal because Kevin Durant, like the number two player in all of basketball, has joined the Golden State Warriors. Like we already had the best team, and then we just got one of the best players. And so it's a big deal. And and I hadn't been to one of their games before, so I'm sitting there just thinking, this is a basketball game. Like I've been to basketball games. No, when they go to introduce our players, they actually shoot fire out of the goalposts like what in the world there was there was fire coming out there was smoke billowing up when they come out fireworks happened inside the arena uh, it, it was absolutely overwhelming you know and they're introducing them stuff I mean the crowd is going wild we we're playing the San Antonio Spurs when they announced them, like nothing. Just like kind of dark. They don't even put the lights on the court. It was like, and here are the San Antonio Spurs. And you hear like three people go, go. Oh. You know, they, they run out. No fanfare, no glitz, no glamour. And so we're starting. This is going to be an amazing game. And immediately the Spurs take over and just control the whole game. And Jason kept turning to me and going, man, the Spurs. He goes, they, they don't have any glitz, no glamour, no tricks. They just do the fundamentals over and over and over again. And by the end of the game, they had beat arguably the best team in the league, 129 to 100. Wow. You know, and it made me think, we're so like the, the fans of the Golden State Warriors as Christians, We love the glitz. We love the next new thing, right? We're always looking for the next new Christian superstar, the next new conference. We like the next, you know, some fad comes out. I remember when this book came out, and Christians got so into it that they made T-shirts about it. Then they made ties with the, the, the name of the book, and like tie tacks. People had rocks on their desk, bumper stickers. We get so weird as Christians, right? We're always looking for the next new thing when it's really the fundamentals done over and over consistently that win at the end of the day. And that's what this prayer series has been all about, is understanding how Jesus has actually taught us to pray. And we believe that if we'll practice these things, that your life will be changed and you'll change the world around you. Let's put up this prayer that Jesus prayed in Matthew chapter 6. He taught his disciples how to pray. They came and said, would you teach us to pray, Lord? And he said, when you pray, pray this. I want us to say it. This is the last time we'll say this together in this series. But would you just read this out loud with me in a loud voice? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Each week we've been unpacking this prayer line by line, and we've been sharing that each line is actually a doorway into a room of fellowship with the Lord. If you've missed this series, I encourage you to go back Each of our messages are online, and what we were doing is learning to pray as Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray, but once again, we aren't saying that you just come and utter this prayer, right, like a robot, but instead that you take each phrase and you use that to launch you into a actual specific type of prayer. We come to the last phrase this morning, which is this, deliver us from evil. Can you say that with me, church? Deliver us from evil. Deliver us from evil. It's very important to understand that evil is real. And it's funny to me that I even have to make that assertion because I think if you just looked at the news this week, you would be overwhelmed with the amount of evil that's permeating our earth. But here's the problem. The last Barna Research survey showed that only 35% of Christians actually believe that there's a devil. Do you know that evil comes from a person and his name is Satan? And the Bible says in John chapter 10, verse 10, that the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. And if you don't believe in a devil today, the devil has you right where he wants you. If you don't believe in the devil today, he's pulling a a great uh, curtain and veil over your face because if you don't believe in an enemy, you won't guard yourself against them. So it's a great deception that's prevailing in the church among Americans. Only 35% of people actually believe in the enemy. Let me just give you an illustration that happened in my life last week. I've lived in many different places in San Diego. In fact, our family in these last nine years have moved 12 times. And so at different times, I've been very security conscious, depending on the area of the city we were living in. But on this last move where we actually bought a home... I wasn't too concerned about security because we moved to a more rural area. It's only 15 minutes away, but it's, it's much more rural. And, in fact, I've talked to the neighbors, and many of them just said, oh, we don't even lock our doors. So when we moved in, the, the home had a security system, but I went to activate it, and they said, well, these are actually an outdated security system you'd have to pay to have a new one put in. I was cheap. I said, no thanks. And I just thought, this isn't, this isn't a dangerous place anyway. So I, I didn't do anything about it. Well, we've been fine. But on Monday, not this Monday, but last Monday, I get a call from Steph saying, Robert, did you leave the doors open and open all the cabinets? And, and then she's like, and did you throw papers all over your office? I'm like, no, uh, not today. And she goes, I think someone broke in. I said, well, why don't you call 9 one And so we walk out of the house. The next thing we know, uh, awesome helicopter circling our house. I show up, the sheriffs come and say, can you step back over here? So we're like, sure, we step back. The sheriffs pull their weapons. Actually, one walked in like this. And I'm like, you're bad, man. I don't know why you need to do that. But he's like walking in like... Walk, they walked through our house and we're just kind of sitting there watching, you know I, I was pretty sure no one was in there because Steph had actually like come into the living room and And sat in the kitchen and the kids were all eating cereal before she noticed it So I was like, I don't think anybody's in there, but the police look, like, Walking and then they walk out and I the last thing they did I don't get it But like they walked to the corner of my property with their guns drawn and walked to my alpaca pen to stare at the llamas And then they stopped they came and they were like all's oh, clear. You know I'm like alpaca pens? I don't get it But anyway um, the police end up telling me, they say, you know, you should consider having some more, like, security measures, right? And, you know, by now I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah I get it. Um, but here's the deal. Here, here is the um, unfortunate Aspect of it. I, I actually had windows sensors on there and the burglar came through a window and and, and don't worry We didn't get like wiped out. They, they just took a few things, but um, If I would have had those windows window sensors on the the, the burglars would have never been able to come in <laughs> I actually have a dog, but I think the dog just licked him um, <laughs> So anyway, um, I had a, 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 a friend Who was concerned for us and came in and 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 put a security system in for us and now we live in Fort Herber for sure Uh, but but here's the thing if you don't know that there's an enemy you won't protect yourself from that enemy and can I just tell you that we as believers have an enemy and that the Bible has given us tools in order to deliver us from evil And that's what I want to unpack for you today. I want to tell you that the evil comes at us in three primary ways. There's three aspects of evil that we need to be delivered from. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write down this first one. Deliverance from strongholds. Deliverance from strongholds. Now, what's a stronghold? We're not that common with that word in our English vernacular. Uh, I have a picture of a stronghold. A stronghold is a, a, an ancient military thought. And here is, it When actually, if you look up the word stronghold, what you'll find is these military forts where it's fortified where, and, and where you can defend a land from. That's what a stronghold is. I want you to look at this thought that the Apostle Paul paints for us in 2 Corinthians 10. says this, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. And so that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about what are the weapons that we're going to utilize to be delivered from the enemy. We want to pick up those weapons. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish, and it's going to explain strongholds here, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Let me unpack this for you. What's a stronghold? It's arguments and thoughts that are opposing a revelation of who God is and a revelation of who you are in Christ. So when I talk about these strongholds, these strongholds are actually not good. These are uh, enemy strongholds. The enemy is always trying to get us to have a pattern of thought that opposes the revelation of who Father God is, his love for us, and who we are in Christ. So I I, I thought, I know this is a a somewhat abstract comment. You might not have heard a teaching on it, so I wanted to bring out an illustration. Can you bring that out for me, The, uh, the thing? Thank you so much. Mark Tapia, ladies and gentlemen, not only our incredible keyboard worship leader, but also a stronghold bringer. Not really. That was not nice. Sorry, Mark. Um, So let me explain it this way. Um, It's like this. A thought comes. So here's what it says. An argument or pretension that's setting itself up against the knowledge of God. So uh, let me illustrate with with a story. This weekend when I was off performing that wedding, I get a call uh, back from San Diego, and I'm told about something someone said, and and, and what someone said affected me. Now, it, it wasn't that bad, but here's what it did. It hit upon a trigger area in my life. You ever had someone say something, and all of a sudden, you're like spiraling out of control you're like i can't believe that person said that and do do they not like me and am i hated and is my life over and right that is when you know that you're coming up against a stronghold so you have a thought that comes into your mind let's just say this block is a thought now the bible says that we've been given weapons to combat these thoughts, it says this, that we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. So here's what you do. A thought comes into your mind, and maybe that thought, I think a lot of us have this thought like, I'm not, I, I'm no good. This simple thought, I'm no good. This thought is coming at us from the enemy. That's not a thought from you. It's a thought from the enemy. You have two options. You can say, oh, I take this thought. You're my little thought, right? I embrace you, thought, Right? Or you can say, no, I take it captive and I make it obedient to Christ. Obey, sit, sit, thought, right? You have two two options. But here's what most of us do. We don't know that that thought's from the enemy. We just think, well, I'm just an insecure person. So we take that thought and we start building with it. We say, you know what, I'm just going to embrace that thought. And it comes back and you just entertain that thought again. I'm no good, yeah. And then 10 minutes later, yeah, I'm really no good. And then another thought comes. And it, it's coming, and it says, you know what, I'll never succeed in life. And you're like, you know what, I, I, I won't. I don't, I don't think I will. And so you just kind of take that thought, and you know, I'm never going to succeed in life. And you, you just start embracing that. Now watch this. All of a sudden, you're building upon another thought. You're building a stronghold of the enemy in your mind. And then you have another thought, right? I, I, I don't have any self-worth. You should take that captive and say, no, go, go away, right? <laughs> I was just thinking about the other, the other night, my dog came up, and I said, go away, but we had dinner guests, and they thought I was talking to one of my kids. They were like, yeah, I said, no, that's my dog. Um, you tell this thought, right, to, to, to go, and, and, and don't worry, you dog lovers, right, he was trying to eat their food, okay, um, but instead, you, you just take this thought, you entertain it, look, you continue to build a stronghold, and all of a sudden, it just becomes normal, so you're just, boom, you're just building these these things, and, and you're just thinking, well, it's not that big a deal. Until all of a sudden, you're pricked, or something triggers it, and then all of a sudden, this stronghold rears its ugly head. <laughs> ah, <laughs> what is that? Right? You have you ever said something to someone, and all of a sudden they're like, <laughs> you're like, wow, you know, I'm just telling you to pass the rolls, you know it. <clears throat> But because we've continued to entertain these thoughts, we have built a stronghold in our life. So this is what was happening to me when this phone call happened. I get this thought. They tell me about what someone said. And all of a sudden, I'm just thinking, you know what? Yeah, this is not good, and this is who I am. And and all of a sudden, you're kind of spinning. Have you ever had a thought process where you all of a sudden feel like you're spinning out of control? Any humans in here? Right? Okay, yes. Thank you. Thank you. And, and, and so this is, what, this is what it felt like to me. All of a sudden, my normal reaction is this. You know, I just want to run away. Like, forget this. Forget these, you know, relationships or forget what I'm doing. I want to run away. That was thought number two. Second thought, second thought, I just need a painkiller. Like, I just need to do something fun. I need to eat some good food. A lot of times, we mask our accusing thoughts with just food. You know, you're like, oh, I feel so bad. Cookie, you know. <laughs> <laughs> So a painkiller, right? And a lot of times it's a lot more dangerous than a cookie. It's a drink. It's, it's a joint. It's a whatever. And, or it's a sexual relationship. Uh, third thought, right, it is, I don't remember what my third thought was. I'll look at my notes for a second. What was my third thing that I entertained? Uh, oh, I just wanted to call someone and just start griping and complaining. If I could just call someone and tell them about how bad my life is, maybe that will make me feel better kind of went through those things and said you know what in the past I tried all those things none of them worked I need the Lord I need the Lord to deliver me from this evil can I just tell you that when you get trapped in a thought pattern that running away that finding a coping mechanism that just calling in someone and gossiping and griping it's not going to set you free but the Bible says it's for freedom that Christ has set you free to no longer be burdened by a yoke of slavery Jesus has come to give you freedom and so many of us are slaves in our mind the first place the enemy wants to keep us captive is in our mind and so he gives us weapons and so how do we get delivered We use the word of God. So I said, God, I need a word from you. And all of a sudden, Psalm 16 pops in my mind. That's why it's so good to read the word, even when you don't really feel like it, because you know what it's doing? It's washing you. And it's building a library of references in your time of need. So Psalm 16 came to mind. I pull it up on my smartphone, and I accidentally pull it up in the New Living Translation, and I see this phrase, the Lord will guard all that is mine. The Lord will guard all that's mine. I said, ooh, that's a word for me. And so you know what I did? I said it out loud. I said, God, thank you that the Lord will guard all that's mine. Thank you that the Lord will guard all that's mine. Thank you that the Lord will guard all that's mine. And all of a sudden, it lifted. Like that downward cycle. I mean, I want to tell you, it had started to bring anxiety in me. I mean, things were getting a little spinny, you know, around me. It lifted. It lifted. Now, I wasn't all of a sudden dancing around joyful like a calf set free from the slaughter. But I was much more peaceful. And, and that that attack that was coming lifted from me. Can I just tell you that God is giving you weapons to fight the negative thoughts that plague our mind. And that's one of the things that we say every day. Deliver us from evil. Lord, deliver me from my mental strongholds and help set my mind free so all of a sudden i use that and boom that stronghold is gone let's look at the second one deliver us from the demonic deliver us from the demonic now can i just say this is 35 percent of people in american christianity are the only ones that believe that there's an actual devil i found that even less christians are willing to talk about demons Jesus said this, though. He says, and these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will drive out demons. This is something that Jesus guaranteed in his power and what he purchased on the cross. He said, this is authority I've given you. And if I, I don't ever want to disdain something that Jesus has promised me. thought I'd get a lot more amens on that. So listen to this. Luke 4.41, Jesus comes on the scene and it says this, and demons also came out of many crying, you're the son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. Uh, Luke 11.17, Jesus gives this teaching on the ways of the demonic, on the ways uh, of demons. And let me just explain for you that you know, some, some Christians don't want to believe that they're demons. It's just like not wanting to believe that they're people that want to rob our house. 75 times in the New Testament, the word demon is mentioned. Let me give you the Greek word. It comes from daemonion, which comes from the, the, the word deistai, which literally means to disturb or divide. What are these? These are fallen spirits who are constantly attacking people. And if you read the Gospels, you'll just see consistently that Jesus is confronting people that uh, are being afflicted by demons. The first question that comes, and, and people freak out about, Christians say, well, 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 am I possessed? You know, am I possessed by a demon? And here's what I'd say. If you've given your life to Jesus, then the Holy Spirit's come into you, and the Bible says that we're his possession. So No! A demon does not possess you, but it can afflict you. So let me explain it this way. Let me use my house illustration again. When that burglar came into my house, did he possess my house? No, I have the title deed, right? It's mine. It belonged to me. But he was able to come through a window and afflict us, a window that wasn't protected. Selah. Think about this. Now, now what do I mean by this? So often, believers are letting demons traffic into their lives by the windows that we open up. You're not possessed, but you are afflicted. Why? Because you go and look at things, maybe with your eyes. That's the way that demons come in. When we go and look at horror movies, people are like, what's wrong with horror movies? Who do you think is the author of horror? Hello? Hello? The the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. That's all horror movies is. You don't need to watch one more in your life. I just told you the plot of every one of them. (laughs) It's just going to steal, kill, and destroy. Steal, kill, and destroy, right, right? You don't ever need to watch another one. And please don't, because then you come to me and you need deliverance, right? I'll help you, but don't go back to it, right, okay? Um, So you watch those things. You're partnering with the enemy right? Pornography. You, you, you think, well, it's just, a, it's just a little picture that I'm looking at. No. Who is the author of sexual perversion? The author is Satan. Yeah. So when you open up that window and say, you know, that's not going to hurt anyone. No one sees what I'm doing. No. You're saying, here, demon, 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 come, right? And, and, and take your home in me. It's not just this, well, maybe I'm watching something that's not so good. No. You are letting demons traffic into you. This wasn't in my notes, but I feel very strongly to say this. When you join in sexual relationships with other people, you open up your life to be a conduit for spirits to be transferred in between people. The Bible says that the two will become one, and they become one in spirit. And there are a lot of people that are afflicted because they've lived sexually immoral lives. Now listen, if you've done any of these things, there is forgiveness. There is forgiveness. And the blood of Jesus washes you. But I would not be a good spiritual father if I didn't warn you that you're not just walking into sin. You are opening up your life for the enemy to come and afflict you. And so there's many Christians living in the church who are consistently afflicted because they leave doors open. They leave windows open, and in fact, they're actually purposely opening them and things get in. And so look at this. Jesus explains this, Luke eleven seventeen. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined and a house divided against itself will fall. If Satan's divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? I say this because you claim that I drive drive out demons by Beelzebub. Okay, that's another name for Satan. Here's what was happening. Religious people, the Pharisees were saying, ooh, you're weird because you talk about driving out demons. You must be from Satan. Can I just tell you that I've heard many just normal churches say, oh, that church is weird. Because they talk about driving out demons. You know that was happening in Jesus' day? Now watch what Jesus says about it. Now if I, verse 19, now if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your followers drive them out? So then they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a people, when a spiritual family starts taking this seriously and saying, "You know what? We're going to help set people free." Jesus said in Luke 4:18 that he came to set the captives free. When a church starts doing that, you know that the kingdom of God is in their midst. They're not just playing religion. There's a lot of Christians that just play religion just so they can feel good about themselves, but the kingdom of God is not moving in their midst. So we want to be a church where people can come in and they can get free. So let me just say this. Um, there's many, I, I've, I've met with and helped so many people that are demonically afflicted. They, they come and they say, man, I'm just plagued with crazy, horrible thoughts. Or, you know, in the middle of the night, I'm laying there, and all of a sudden, I wake up, and there's an evil presence in my room, and it's pressing down on my chest. People don't feel comfortable to talk about that, and then you open the door, and all of a sudden, people start saying, yeah, yeah, I've experienced that. I just haven't wanted to tell anyone, or I'm having these crazy experiences, or I'm actually being physically choked, or I'm hearing these voices tell me to do these horrible things. I want to tell you that that is not you. That's the demonic trying to destroy your life. So what do we do? Look at this, what it says in verse 21. When a strong man, this is Jesus speaking, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted and divides up his plunder. Whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places and seeks rest and does not find. This is also not in my notes, but I'm feeling led to say this. There's two forces of spiritual power. God and Satan. Everything's either influenced by the light or the dark. Please do not get into any kind of witchcraft, even if you think it's white witchcraft. Witchcraft is from Satan. Don't entertain those kind of things. Don't read horoscopes. Don't try to get information from divination. There's two sources of power, men and women. One is a source of light and one is a source of darkness. And when you put your hand into the darkness, it will remain on you. Please heed this warning, because God wants his believers to live in freedom and the abundant life. Verse 24, when an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and take seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there, and the final condition of that person is worse than the first. Some people could say, well, maybe I should just keep my little demon, because I don't want seven big ones to come back. (laughs) No. You've got to understand the context of Luke 11 is that Jesus is saying earlier that if you ask for the Holy Spirit, the Father will give it to you. What do we do when someone's being demonically afflicted we command that demon to go, and then we ask, now in its place, Holy Spirit, fill us to overflowing. Yeah. I was in a service where this young woman comes up to me and says, I-, I don't sense the presence of God. I'm plagued with these horrible thoughts. I'm physically afflicted. And I prayed for and I immediately sensed the Holy Spirit speaking to me. There's a spirit of self-hatred. I said, you know what? I think there's a spirit of self-hatred attacking you immediately. She starts crying. I said, I just want you to do these three simple things, and I'm going to put them up on the screen because this is going to help many people in this room. I said, first, I want you to repent because so oftentimes we partner with things. So when a, when a thought of self-hatred comes and we say, yeah, I hate myself and I, I, I'm not worth anything, and you just hold on to that thought like this, it gives the enemy a foothold into your life. And so we have to repent of that. So I said, I want you to repeat after me. I repent of entertaining self-hatred. She goes, I repent of entertaining self-hatred. I said, now, secondly, I want you to renounce the spirit of self-hatred. That means that I am denouncing it. It no longer has any part of my life. I don't want you with me. And so she said, I renounce the spirit of self-hatred. I said, now, lastly, you're a child of God. So you have authority. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. So you have a, pow- a power. According to, to Mark chapter 16, you have the power to cast out this demon. So I said, I want you to tell this demon to leave right now. She goes, "Demon of self hatred, you have to leave me now." Kind of afflicted her physically just for a second, and then it was gone. All of a sudden, you just saw peace rest on her. There were a lot of people in the meeting, so I had to pray for numerous people. I went on. One year le- later. She comes up to me when I'm back in that place ministering. She goes, "I just want you to tell I want to tell you that everything was different from that moment." She goes, "Now I live experience God's presence. I'm full of joy and I'm moving out in the calling that God's given me." That's the power of being delivered from the demonic. So how how do you do this? If if you feel like, "Hey, I think I'm suffering from the demonic. I'm plagued with horrible thoughts or I get these Physical manifestations that are very painful, or I'm always dealing with fear. Just go to your life group leader and just say, Will you help me walk through this, repent, renounce, and then I command it to leave? Or go to a trusted spiritual friend that that is a, a strong believer in God and let them help you walk through this and see yourself get free. This is something I had to do back in college. I was suffering from these crazy headaches consistently and and, and they weren't tied to anything physically and then we prayed one day and I realized oh I have a great great grandfather who was tied to some who had made some vows in a kind of weird spiritual thing and I just said I repent of our family being involved in that I renounce that in Jesus name I command that spirit to leave me I haven't had those headaches from that day on I want to tell you there's power in the name of Jesus and there's power to command evil spirits to leave our lives. Last one. Last one. I've got to hurry up and finish. Deliverance from evil people and evil situations. Here's the last one. Deliverance from evil people and evil situations. I love the story of Hezekiah in 2 Kings 18. I've been meditating on it this year. Because, you know, throughout my life, I found that that the enemy tries to bring people and situations to keep us from living out our destiny. I bet you if I surveyed this room, there's many people that go, there's some evil person in my life that is bent on afflicting me or maybe even destroying me. And I want to tell you that God wants to bring deliverance here's a story with Hezekiah you guys know if you've if you've read the Old Testament any that there were a lot of Israelite kings that were not good guys but finally Hezekiah comes and it says that he did all that was in the Lord's heart he gets rid of the idols he cleanses the land he re-establishes right worship but then Sennacherib king of Assyria comes to destroy him You're reading the story, and Hezekiah is doing everything right, and you're like, what, God, how did this happen? Like, this guy's doing it right, and then a king comes to destroy him. And many of us actually believe this lie, that if we just live a good Christian life, that evil will never attack us. Can I just tell you that just as uh, I think Jason mentioned the four spiritual laws last week, that that famous tract that says God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life, the contrary is true. Satan hates you. And have a horrible plan for your life. And so evil people will come into the life of godly people, right? We think, oh, if I was just more like Christ, I can tell you, no one was more Christ-like than Christ. And evil people came into his life. The Bible says this, many are the trials of the righteous. Many are the trials of the righteous. So many times we have a trial and we think, God must not love me anymore. No. Look at the life of Jesus. This life, we will have evil people. We will have evil situations. But the second part of that verse says, but the Lord will deliver him from them all. Delivers from evil is what the scripture says. The Lord will deliver him from all. Sennacherib comes, the king of Assyria. He wants to destroy Hezekiah. Here's the worst part. He starts speaking out to all of Hezekiah's people and says, don't listen to Hezekiah. If you follow him, you're going to be destroyed. Come and follow me. Make peace with me and I'll let you live. Hezekiah is lying to you. Hezekiah's just been following God. Now this guy wants to destroy him, and now he's trying to turn all his people on to him. This is a bad day. Watch what Hezekiah does in 2 Kings 19, verse 15. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord. When you encounter evil people or you're in an evil situation, pray. Don't just try to figure it out, don't just react the first thing you do is pray. This is a king. He had all the power you could muster in a country, but what does it say? It says he removes himself and he prays. Hezekiah prayed to the Lord. Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You've made heaven and earth. You see, Hezekiah put God in his rightful place. He said, yeah, this is really bad because the most powerful kingdom's attacking me, but God you're enthroned among the cherubim you made everything he gets this god perspective we get attacked we freak out we're like this person is attacking me oh no and god's like they're like an ant compared to me and he hears i'm going like yeah, give me right that's what he's hearing from heaven we've got to get that heavenly perspective who's your defender Who's your daddy? Right? I always loved growing up because my dad was this big football player. And anyone, someone picked up on me, you know, picked on me, I was like, my daddy can beat up your daddy. And I was right. (laughs) You know your daddy can beat up everyone else's daddy? Because your daddy is the king of kings and the lord of lords. So watch this. Watch, Watch what happens. He says, give ear, Lord, and hear, open our eyes. Lord, see, listen to the words of Sennacherib has sent to ridicule the living God. It's true, Lord, that the Assyrian kings have laid waste these nations and these lands because these evil people have destroyed person after person after person. They've thrown their gods into the fire and destroyed them for they were not gods, only wood and stone fashioned by human hands. Now, Lord our God, deliver us from his hand. When you get in a situation with an evil person or an evil situation, say, deliver us. Call out for deliverance so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone are God. Now watch what the Lord does. We're just going to skip down to verse 35. You know, we're always trying to figure out, how can God get me out of this one? Like, how can God, who could God bring? Who could protect me? What could happen? God, what could you do? Watch what God does. Verse 35. That night, the angel of the, the, angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 Assyrians. That's bad. I mean, Hezekiah did nothing. In a moment, the Lord descends an angel and kills 185,000 people. That's the God we serve. Wow. We're all worried about one little boss, you know, who's, who's shortening my breaks at work. And you're like, no, uh right? You, you need to read Second Kings 19, boss. What, what God does to people who try to oppress his chosen ones. <laughs> oh, I've got a lot of thoughts going on in my mind right now. Um, when the people got up the next morning, there were all these dead bodies. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, broke camp and withdrew. Do you know that in a moment, God can win your battle for you? Do you know that in a moment God can drive that evil person away. Do you know, in a moment, that He can deliver you. I've I've seen this so many times in my life. Uh, but I I just had this happen with a dear friend of mine, uh, a school teacher. He calls me, and he says, "Robert, I'm I'm in a I'm in a really rough situation in my classroom. I I had to correct a student, and I thought everything was fine. And the next thing I know." Uh, that student has accused me of harassment. And he goes, it's absolutely ridiculous because there were 30 kids in the class, but he goes, that student went to a principal and that principal, principal hates me because I'm a Christian. And so that principal believe the student and all of a sudden they're calling the authorities on me and I, I I have like 30 witnesses but this person got a couple of people to side with them because they want to take me out and this principal is going after me and what do I do and how can I influence the nations if I can't even make it in, in my job right And and these are serious things and these are things that are being brought against people and we always want to take harassment seriously but this guy was in front of a whole class and he was innocent and so what immediately came to mind is I said, Hezekiah. You know the story of Hezekiah? The evil king comes and lies and accuses and tries to destroy him, and in a moment, God delivers him. And so we're going to believe that you're going to be exonerated and delivered. They actually, the, the thing gets turned into the police. The detectives come. We're going, oh my gosh, this is crazy. And then we get the report back. The t- detectives say, this guy's innocent. Oh, we were so happy. And the principal said, I don't believe them. I think you're guilty. So he goes, I'm going to send you back in this class, but you can never correct your students again. Well, this guy's in a high-risk classroom environment. He said, he just tied my hands. I can't do anything. They're coming against me. They're holding it against me. And then in a moment, someone from the school district calls and says, how would you like a new job? He said, would I? (laughs) Gets removed, the detectives drop the case. We're still believing for the the full vindication of the whole thing. But move to a new place in a moment. I know that so many of you are dealing with unrighteous bosses. You're being treated unrighteously in your family. Can I tell you the greatest thing to do is not to fight for yourself Now, I'm not telling you if you're being mistreated and it's dangerous not to leave the situation. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying it's not us trying to find a way to vindicate ourselves and retaliate. We have a God who wants to deliver us. We have a God who's been winning the battle for his people since the time he put his children on earth. And God is going to work miracles for people in this room as we depend on him and call on him to deliver us. You know, these are the kind of tools that God is calling us to use. God wants to set us free. God wants to make us a people of prayer. Prayer is what advances the kingdom. That's my desire as we end this series, is that we would be a church that wouldn't just have a series on prayer, but that we would learn to build our lives as individuals, build our families together, and build this spiritual family, and ultimately fulfill our calling of being a part of transforming the city and transforming the nations of the world, and it will never happen outside of partnering with God in prayer. Are you with me, church? Why don't you stand up? Would you just close your eyes right now? I know in this room we've talked about being delivered from evil, and there's different aspects of evil that different ones need to be delivered from. Would you just close your eyes for a second as we pray? Father God, we don't want to just talk about the word, but we want to see it appropriated into our lives and to set the captives free. If you've never given your life to Jesus, I want to lead you in a prayer where you can receive his gift of his death on the cross. And his resurrection from the dead. So you never have to be afflicted by your sins. And you can have power to tell the evil to leave you. Just pray with me right now. If that's your desire, just say, Jesus, come into my life. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I'll follow you forever. Place your Holy Spirit in me. So I can be your child. And if that's you right now with every eye closed, I just want to say a quick prayer for you. So if you're just saying, yeah, today, Pastor, I'm praying that prayer. I just want you to look up at me right now and just wave at me so I can know who I'm praying for. Just wave at me right now all over this room. If that's you, you're just saying thank you. Just if you're saying that right now, just wave at me. Just look up at me. Awesome, awesome. Who else? Just look up at me. Make sure, okay, I see you too. Anyone else? Okay, awesome, awesome, awesome. Okay, who else? Just if I haven't looked at you, just wave at me, just all over this room, different people. Okay, I pray, Lord, for these precious ones here. I thank you that you say as far as the east is from the west, that's how far you've removed their sins from them. Let's celebrate New Life Church. We celebrate you today. If I can have my prayer team come forward right now, different life group leaders, people on the prophetic team, different training school students. I just need... You to fill the front right now. If you're giving your life to Jesus, we want to put a hand uh, in your hand, this book that talks about God's crazy love for you. We want to help you walk with him. If you just say today, you know, I need someone to pray for me and help me. I-, I feel like I'm trapped. I feel like I need to be delivered. You can come down and we want to pray for you. And also we want to pray for physical healing today. Jesus laid hands on the sick and they were set free. If you need physical healing, make your way out of your seats and come down. If you're giving your life to Jesus, if you one of those that raise your hand we're not going to embarrass you just come down and say i I need that book just start making your way down the aisles let's give a hand to these ones that are coming even if you're in the center you can just make your way to say excuse me this is normal we do this every week just ask people to come just to to excuse you if you need a friend to bring you you can ask a friend to come with you we're going to sing one last song but you just come now whatever your need is we want to pray for you we're going to wait for you you come now as we conclude our service